Welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. We are on episode 605. We're recording this on uh, November 18th, 2020. And tonight, I get to be your host. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm still Jeremy Holstrom. I'm Sebastian Peak. I'm Brett Van Spurnberg. Well, that's nice that everybody was able to chime in in a somewhat reasonable order. So as I go pale here, I'll read off some of the uh, bullet points for this evening, namely... If you'd like to be notified of events such as podcasts, other potential live streams, and uh, maybe even some Twitch streams in the future, you can subscribe to our email for any kind of updates, bcper.com slash subscribe. We typically uh, do emails out before these live events, and uh, like this podcast. Uh, if you can help support the site, we would be greatly appreciative. Ad revenue is is always an issue in these days. And so you can go to our Patreon site, patreon.com slash pcper, and become a patron. And I believe that uh, our friend uh, Brett, uh, we have a couple of new people who uh, who have subscribed. And, Indeed. Uh, I take great pleasure in announcing the uh, two new uh, members who have signed up to our Patreon. Uh, Jason Smith, uh, number number one. Uh, thank you very much, Jason, for your support. And someone who mysteriously identified themselves only using the initials S-E. What do you think that might stand for? I mean, it's kind of open to interpretation. I'm, I'm not really sure. Super. Echelon. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-mm. One of the better versions yeah, of Windows? Yep. That, that's ME, but close. No. Hold on, hold on, hold on. No, well, second edition. No, 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 no. Yeah. Second, second edition. edition. SE. Freaking <laughs> Vista, no, the ME. first coming. SE2. Yeah, anyway, my cat is uh, stalking me again, I believe. I heard some meowing going on, so it, it, it she may be showing up again. This is this is not the day for pets in between puppy and cat and uh, two children. So uh, anyway, going on to the next thing, uh, we, let's talk about the burger. Who had a burger today? Anybody? Yes. Anybody? Yes. Yes. Okay. I had a grilled did, cheese. Did um, I sure did have a. A burger. It was called the Johnny Appleseed. It had two locally sourced beef patties, thinly sliced apples, blue cheese, and bacon crisps. So basically, they chopped up bacon and mixed it with blue cheese and made like crisps, and that put it on top. But mustard greens, I, I never heard of those before, and chipotle mayo. It's uh, greens are nice. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was a fantastic burger. Maybe not my favorite, but certainly was a, uh, a very pleasant experience. It may be a little too rich to ever have again. I prefer a little bit more heat <laughs> in my burgers, but uh, no, this was a uh, yet again a, another good. Uh, they kind of smashed the the bun down a little bit. Um, the fries needed to be a little bit more well done, but other than that. I can't really complain. It was it was a really good burger, and you know, didn't and cost did an arm and a leg. It. Yeah, they put the uh, mustard grains on there. Good, all no, good, nice. all good, man. Yeah, peppery. So, burgers, we has them. It's amazing how I get blown out. I really need to get some different lighting in this damn room. 
Maybe like, for Christmas. That's the what you need the warmth, the warmth of whatever Brett's using. As compared to your dungeon. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm trying to yeah. make it look as unpleasant as it is for me. Um Yeah. <laughs> we we had another burger. There was a bit of confusion in the pre show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brother Michigan. Yeah, because he's getting in on the game. Let's see. He here. is, and uh his game is is pretty good. Uh Brother Michigan had uh I don't I don't know what kind of it was. It looks like it had some blue cheese on there, maybe some mushrooms. Uh definitely had some some pretty tasty looking uh fried pickles. Oh uh, yeah. So mm. yeah, Burger Day and uh Radeon sixty eight hundred launch burgers. Excellent, <laughs> excellent choices. What a way to celebrate buying one of the few cards in existence. <laughs> yes. But, you know, that leads us directly into our first and probably most important review. Sebastian wrote about the new Radeon 6800 XT and 6800 cards that he got from AMD. Mm-hmm. Never mind, well, there was no CPU, but we're still in the game with, with video cards, so you got to be happy about that. Yes. Elated. Yeah. So take it away there, Sebastian. Well, let's just go straight into the... Uh review images here let's let's look at the website pcpro.com for this review and i don't have to be the only one narrating this i mean the card is if you've read any of the reviews or watched any of the videos it is extremely impressive what they've done big navi is here you can shout it from the rooftops it finally happened after years of waiting from when it was just a a twinkle in raja's eye to now He's I enjoyed gone. your slow roll introduction, by the way. What? the Whatever I wrote? Yeah. Yes. You know, when you write it like midnight, a long mm-hmm. time ago in a galaxy much like this one, humanoid beings first became aware of the phenomenon known only as Big Navi. As elusive as the similarly named but only tangentially related Bigfoot from Earth's not quite ancient history, we now have much more than grainy handheld camera footage or video cards leaks. Yeah, hey, I, bet you I, wrote, catch I wrote that. Mm. Very, very nice. And the photography, stunning, I might add. It was okay. Fair, uh, fair. But look at this. Like, here's the architecture of RDNA 2. We had heard about this revolutionary infinity cache that plays a huge role in the performance here. And we haven't even tested all of the features yet. There's other stuff under the hood here, but RDNA 2, more performance per clock, and they went kind of nuts with clock speeds how i don't know how it's even possible you know but they did it and when you, uh, when you have a uh, pretty good cpu guys to also lean upon um there, there's got to be some some cross uh, uh pollination going on in between the cpu and the gpu people and uh, you're all using a you know probably a fairly optimized seven nanometer process on both of them that uh, you've got a pretty large chip running at uh, almost 2.5 gigahertz um, that's, that's, yeah. that's kind of insane when, uh, you're talking only 300 Watts TDP potential. Yeah. And. <laughs> hey, so you think the, uh, GPU guys leaned out of their cubicle and went over to the CPU guys and said, Hey, hey guys, we got a routing well, problem here. We want to hit uh, 2.3 yeah, no, gigahertz. I don't know about that because it's what Markham uh, Canada and uh, Singapore, yeah. I think the other design All team, right. uh, Maybe and and then got another the group in, in Massachusetts. So you know, they, who knows? Uh, who knows what all kind of things that they have uh, have done? But uh, yeah, I mean, the, you know, they're they're the 
the game clock is 215 megahertz for the XT and uh, 1815 for the 6800. And the boost is 2250 for the XT and 2105 for the 6800. But you saw numbers far, far greater than that. Oh, yeah. Those are testing, super conservative numbers. I'm, I'm looking at them again. It's kind of crazy because, I mean, they will normalize. That's the thing. But momentary frequencies were always hitting 2450 in games with the XT. And then the 9 XT was always hitting 2250. So it's they're, they're boosting very, very well with a more powerful cooling solution like if you put one of these underwater you could i presume you'd see longer duration for those high boosts these were more momentary uh bursts of speed but yeah i mean it's yeah it's and kind of a, another done. you know another uh advantage of the 6800 series is that they they come with 16 gigs of memory and you can compare that to the 3070 which is 8 gigs and the Wait, 3070 is 8 gigs, 3080 is, is 10 gigs, and you get you know a lot more with the 3090, obviously, if you can get a hold of it, which is funny because our work just got two of them, and they paid a premium Ooh. for them. But anyway, that's neither here nor there, though it does kind of become relevant later on when we talk about actual availability of these. <clears throat> uh, uh, even in your testing, though, even when you were you know approaching 10 uh, gigs in, in, in memory, uh, you weren't seeing a, a tremendous improvement in performance over the 1600, or rather, you didn't see a a lowering of performance with the 3080. Uh, and I think that you had made a good comment, is that memory usage does not necessarily map directly to memory performance. Or did you say that, or somebody else did? I'm not sure. I, what I said was memory allocation does not equal memory usage. Okay. That's one yeah, of these. That's there's, what you said. there's a lot of confusion out there about, and this sounds like I'm being an NVIDIA apologist, but I mean, there is a lot of confusion about what those actual numbers are. Like, if you have a game or a utility like GPUC, something is reporting the total number, like the total amount of VRAM usage. There are a lot of games that will just straight up allocate all available VRAM. And that is not indicative of how much is actually being used during the game. And it, that will change throughout the game, depending on the scene, the textures. So it's, I, I would have to look into it a little bit more to see if there's an accurate way to actually, it might be application specific. So I don't know if there's some utility mm -hmm. that'll tell you like exactly how much VRAM is being used to render each frame that you're seeing. But we didn't see the, the uh, 3080 fall down at 4K at all. And then there was, you know, there's, there's a, bandwidth constraint from the memory itself with the new Radeon cards just inherent in the fact they're using GDDR6 and, and not, not 6X yeah not 6X not HBM2 so they but they've got that L3 cache 128 megs of uh, you know game cache and uh, you know if you allocate that according to your performance figures probably not and uh, even though it's it's using 6 GDDR6 versus 6X like NVIDIA has um they perform very, very well, even at high resolutions, where you'd think that, that more memory bandwidth would uh, equate into more performance. But they've got that 128 megs of uh, L3 cache, what the Infinity cache, is that yeah. what they're yeah. calling it now? Gaming cache, you can never tell me, because what gaming cache is on the CPU, right? 
It makes sense. It's it's, it's infinity cash. Yeah, it's infinity, infinity cash. cash. Yeah. So it's a large amount. As long as they get along. Of, yeah, L three cash on the on the chip, and if you're really really clever with um, what you put in there and what you're you know constantly kind of accessing and changing to do these scenes, um, it doesn't have to you know encompass the entire uh, 16 gigs of, of, of memory. Uh, you can put a lot of that stuff into 128 megs. Uh, very, very close. It's three to four times the speed and lower latency than uh, Bane memory, uh, which is the GDDR6. And so, yeah, they've, uh, they've uh, you know, kind of delivered on their promise. Instead of, you know, some heavy-duty uh, ray tracing or tensor cores, uh, hardware, they, they've kind of invested that space in uh, a large amount of L3 cache, and the performance is really, really good. But at 4K, didn't wasn't there a little bit of fall off at 4K, and maybe memory bandwidth might have something to do with it? I, I can't really identify what might have caused that, but there's a little bit of a place changing from the, you know, who's the quickest card here, and a little bit of performance fall off at uh, higher resolutions. What, what do you guys think? I noticed. I don't know. Ask the right. benchmarking guy. Well, yeah. yeah. If you, if you, I, everything being constant, and I, I didn't do any adjustments to the detail settings when I moved from fourteen forty to twenty one sixty. So moving up to four K, it was still either ultra or high or whatever it was at fourteen forty, and we would, like you said, we were flip flopping. It wasn't much. Like if, if yeah, we'll look at the very performance close. numbers, but it, it yeah, before anyone wants to yell, AMD put out a four K card. We're, we're not saying they didn't because they did. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but that definitely across the board. Every time they put uh, they switch from fourteen forty p to four k, that's when you see the, the thirty eighty starting to jump ahead occasionally by one frame, sometimes a bit more. Just giving you some time to fill in, Sebastian. Yeah, thank you. I'm just thinking because remember when the Radeon Seven launched and it had sixteen gigabytes of memory. And it would just seem like this outrageous number. Like nobody had ever seen a consumer graphics card with that much RAM. What are you going to do with this much VRAM? And it opened up all these worlds of possibilities for, you know, creative GPGPU kind of applications. And nothing really for games unless you just went nuts. Like if you did like display scaling and ran the game like internally at 8K and downscaled it to 4K, you could use like 10 or 12 gigabytes i don't think i ever reached over 12 maybe and that was doing crazy stuff like shadow of the tomb raider 8k flight sim i well that wasn't out yet but yeah i mean maybe that would do it that could be the use case but here we are a year and a half later and all of their consumer graphics cards have 16 gigabytes of vram and it seems like they would have the edge at 4k but it's it's interesting that they don't scale to 4K, at least in the testing I've done, quite as well. But there are games that absolutely are optimized for these, such as we had a, an early access copy of Dirt 5. Well, not really. Oh, it, yeah. came out, it came out on November 6th. But AMD yeah, was... Yeah, the card's monstrous. Yeah, AMD was yeah. You know, looking, f uh, asking reviewers if they needed any keys, and of course they were offering games that are very optimized uh, for AMD. And why not? There are games that are famously like you know optimized for Nvidia, but we'll get to that in a second. Let's just look at some benchmarks here while I'm talking. Uh, just to, at the outset, here's 3D Mark. 
Time Spy and Time Spy Extreme. It's a 1440 and a 4K test. This actually was a pretty good overall look at what the performance is going to be like in games across the board, whether you like synthetic benchmarks or not. The Founders Edition 3080 is just ahead of a 6800 XT. It's not a massive difference here. And there is a $50 drop in price going down to the 6800 XT. It looks like if you just looked at synthetic benchmarks, there's going to be a slight um, reduction in performance that is more than offset by the reduction in price. This is all theoretical if you could buy these at MSRP. What's really impressive to me is looking at the 6800, the non-XT, and seeing that this beats a 2080 Ti, it beats a 3070 easily. And a lot of these benchmarks you're going to see are going to be 6800 XT followed by 6800 and then 2080 Ti. So it's it's extremely impressive what they've done, especially with the non-XT, just the positioning, the pricing. I know it is more expensive. The 6800 is 579 in theory versus 499 for a 3070, but it's still a heck of a lot cheaper than a 2080 Ti and has better performance. And then here you are at 4K. 3080 maintains its lead. It's a little bit bigger by percentage, but not much. And then the same order, basically, right through the middle of the chart, where a 6800 is faster than 2080 Ti and 3070. So, and and by the way, I went back through and retested 2080 Ti numbers using our old Founders Edition card. Previously, all of the charts had shown this Asus Strix card that is now in Brett's possession, so I needed to retest our, our FE and those numbers are actually slightly lower than the Strix because the Strix wasn't a factory over; it was a factory overclock card. Anyway, here's that Dirt Five number that we were talking about: 6800 XT blows away the 3080. In fact, both 6800 series cards were above the 3080 in this test at 1440 Ultra. So let's let that sink in for a and second. And that's a native DX12 game, huh? Yeah. Wow. So. Moving up to 4K, same story. You still have the 6800 on top, but now the 3080 and 6800 are effectively tied. I mean, we're down to the second decimal place here almost. Like, it's it's about a half frame per second. 68.65 versus 68.14. So that's it's effectively a tie. That's a three-run average. And that seemed like, like if, if you just looked at these numbers and didn't look at synthetics, didn't look at any other benchmarks, just looked at the AMD-provided titles you were going to see the 6800 xt as the new champion the new gaming champion and uh, but yeah, I'm and obviously testing. amd has worked extensively with uh with codemasters on this i mean they're they've been a, a partner for a long time and and was that a built-in benchmark or, or was that a uh, you actually went out and drove a little bit that is a glorious three minute long unbroken race that nice uh, you can just run it and benchmark it it's pretty consistent we got the consistent average results out of all of these but moving on to another game that is typically kind of an amd game this is a game that they promoted back when it came out tom clancy's division 2 this is 1440 high using dx12 and the 3080 founders edition is about five frames per second faster than the 6800 xt the relative position of the 6800 and the 2080 Ti remains constant through all of these. 6800 is a faster card than the 2080 Ti, which is in turn slightly faster than the 3070. And 
we look at 4K, same settings, DX12, high preset, suddenly the 3080 is on top by about five frames per second, four and a half over the 6800 XT. And then all the other positions are the same. So these, these two cards, the 6800 XT and the 3080, they flip-flop depending on resolution, which is interesting. So we were alluding to earlier with the whole, is this a memory thing? And it could be, maybe it's a driver thing. I don't know. We're using beta drivers to test. This is all fresh wine. Very fresh wine. <laughs> uh, I will say, though, I was I was expecting a game like Metro Exodus, which is a more NVIDIA-friendly game, to be like a 3080 frontrunner, even at 1440, and it was not. So the 6800 XT, again, it's not much. It's less than a frame per second, but the 6800 XT, on average, came out on top in Metro Exodus at its high preset using DX12, and then if we move to, you know, those those ninety five and ninety nine percentile uh, numbers are are pretty good. Yes, across the board. Yeah, boy, we've simple. we've really come a long way in terms of driver strengths and uh, people really optimizing for a smooth experience. Exactly. I remember when I started using, I think it was OCAT to test stuff in like mm-hmm. December of twenty eighteen. I was kind of amazed. Games like F1 that were like less than half of the average for the 95th percentile and then even worse for the 99th, but they're getting better. Metro Exodus is actually one of the worst games for frame consistency that I see, but it's still not bad. But anyway, flip-flopping again. It's just it's about a five frame per second advantage for the 3080 at 4K in this game. So just that even was, though that's got less memory, that's that's yeah. just weird. But you know what though, I should do more. Ghost Recon. Me. I don't think you did Ghost Recon. I did not. But that was another one. Uh, that's an exact example of that. Uh, FPS review and a couple other places grabbed that one. Uh, it's it's just weird. I don't quite grasp why it chooses to flip flop when it flip flops. I just I wonder if it's if it's cache related because you have 128 megabytes of cache. Maybe when you're pushing more pixels because you have to keep them fed, like you have to keep the memory system going. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's just where the 3080 yeah. has an advantage because the 3080 has the faster memory. Because as you can see, it's still a heck of a lot faster than a 2080 Ti at 4K, and so is the yeah. 6800. But they have the same memory system. Hey, all all architectural decisions have a trade off. And AMD decided to go with lower-rated RAM, a smaller bus. Well, it's, they didn't have and, a choice with the lower-rated RAM. RAM. Yeah. RAM. Because NVIDIA yeah. Unless they the went HBM. Yep. And they didn't want to do that thing again. You wouldn't be $50 Maybe underneath NVIDIA then. No. No. Maybe it's not. just the gestalt theory. You know, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts when, when it comes to GPU design as, as the entirety. Of it, and Nvidia has a, a small advantage there at uh, at kind of this price point at and higher resolutions. I don't know. Mm. It's uh, it's going to be interesting to see, and I know a lot of people will be digging more into it, mm. and uh, we'll also get you know enhanced drivers eventually that uh, potentially will will uh, improve performance in in some of these corner cases. But uh, you know, I don't know. We'll see. Um, oh, we'll see. Any other I was going to say, how many of us are running at 4K right now? Uh, 
No. I mean, I, I, use 14, <laughs> like, I use a 1440 display every day, and then I use 4K for game testing, but that's it. See, it, it's not quite as niche a part as uh, as an SLI or a Crossfire card uh, setup used to be in the in the, the old days. But honestly, I mean, 4K is lovely, and it's coming. It's here, but it's not something that a lot of people are aiming for. I, and one of the lovely things is that at 1440p, you know, this, this is where the card sits. So it's it's fun to talk about the 4K stuff, but honestly, I, I haven't looked at the Steam surveys, honestly, but I'm, I'm betting there's less than a percent of people uh, gaming at 4K right now. It was low. Yes, it was no. around that. It was just a little under 1% the last time I looked. Yeah. And even 1440 wasn't that high, single digits. And the well, 1080 is still king. Yeah, but... That'll that'll eventually change. We're talking about enthusiasts, though. Enthusiasts don't follow the mainstream. We're not gaming on. So, what would you consider a thirty-four forty by fourteen forty? I mean, that's ultra almost wide. that's yeah, it is ultra wide. Fair, okay, asshole. Yeah, ultra wide. That, no, that's yeah. fair. That's that's my new monitor. I just got is a that thirty-four inch yeah. AOC monitor. It's still it's, uh, it's almost it's almost four K. Is though, it right? Let's do some I mean, essentially, it's thirty-eight. Like, calculator app. <laughs> it's, ah, okay, it's no, like, it's about twenty percent like, less. Okay, it's like. 2.9k? I don't know. Yeah, uh, I think it's multiplied it's out. 2K. Yeah. It's significantly less. It's like 40% less. Fewer. Oh, uh, I, less. Did, I did fewer. some testing with on a, on a 2070 Super, and it put a pretty hard load on it, and I was only hitting mid-80 frames a second and runs on um, uh, the Tomb Raider, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, mid-80s with DLSS on, uh, mid-70s on the on the benchmark run with DLSS off. You're talking about so, RTX enabled then? Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, so it was a bit of a strain on that card. Normally on a you know a 2K monitor, you'd see uh, numbers uh, pushing over 100 with that card, I do believe, uh, 2070 Super, and it was down 20%-ish. I think we just need to overclock the That's memory. That's reasonable. On this 60 Yeah, it's got to be in. To see... As an aside, uh, Soren has has done another wonderful yeah. Photoshop. Uh oh, hold on. Yeah, and I'm although I'm Gizmo have to just above that. him is is kind of terrifying as well. He's watching us actually, on the switch, apparently. That that's pretty freaky as well. I saw that. So either one of those are good to share, or both. I'm always afraid. You should be. It's, it's clean. Is it? And it is really clean. Thing. Where it is wariness is appropriate though whenever you dive into the discord so yeah okay yeah. Ooh. okay i like this hold on <laughs> <laughs> it needs to be like sort of a and this is the soap i use underneath it yeah no it's, josh uh, check soap josh check soap he said hard the next load. million yes, dollar idea too he did say hard load i noticed that yeah. I didn't want to say anything about it, it has to be soap on a rope right Ooh, no, don't, don't drop the anyway. soap. Can we quickly just can we quickly we, show the power let's, numbers? Let's start. Let's do that. Yes. I mean, this is the. Yes. Everybody likes to talk over me. Who's running this damn thing? <laughs> you are. You got to be more assertive. You. You. Shut it, Brett. <laughs> it is me. <laughs> and he's still making noise, Brett. I'm going to take your audio away. All right. Talk okay, about he's the gonna, power. He's gonna Brett's audio is gone. He's in timeout. Anyway. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, is the power of the thing that's probably most interesting to you, especially if you look back at the, the 2000 generation and AMD's original RDNA, um, what really pops out with this RDNA 2 architecture? 
You tell me, Josh. I hope not the caps. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. There's a little bit of coil noise, uh, too, with your, your models. Yes, so there is. Yeah, fair. Oh, that's that's a that's a that seems to be a uh, a feature of uh, AMD built cards. I wonder if that's a sapphire thing. You should ask Ed. Is Sapphire still the maker of the reference cards for AMD? I think the group behind so, yeah. Sapphire is. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. But no, I mean, uh, looking at these numbers, uh, they kind of line up well with uh, what NVIDIA does. And and uh, to me, that's kind of impressive just because the 5700, I, I seem to remember it being a little bit higher power um, than like a, a 2070, which it competed against um, in a 2060 Super which was, you know, another, you know, fairly efficient card for for the performance that you got. Um, but in these, they're they're sub 3080 uh, across the board pretty much. Yep. And the 6800 is, uh, what, a 250-watt TDP official board, I believe? Yes. Yeah. And so, and that's, that's right around the old 1080 Ti, which, you know, people still have grasped in their cold, dying hands. You know, Josh. Well, if I could replace my 1080, I would. 2080 T or the 1080 Ti and the 6800 on the same test system were within one watt of each other. That's idle and low. They're almost identical power draw. Hmm. So, and when you look at the performance yeah. between the two, that's that's and that's you know <laughs> yeah. part of that is seven, part of that seven nanometer, and part of that is is just overall design because uh, I mean look at Vega, it probably pulled. You know, the, the 16 gig version, it probably pulled around the same kind of power as a 1080 Ti, but that performance was significantly lower. Um, you know, Vega 64 and, and the, uh, you know, the big special uh, Radeon 7 or Vega 7. Yeah, Vega 7. Um, yeah, they were, they were not, even though they were, they were seven nanometer parts, they were not overly efficient. Uh, but they have really injected the secret sauce in our DNA too, and they've done things. Uh, just because they're in theory, they they should have more transistors active at once. The way that they get the workload going, and uh, you'd think that you wouldn't see as much shutdown in different uh, portions of the chip, which is you know they they all chips these days do that. I mean, they will essentially just cut off power to things that aren't needed and pop it back up and clock it back up. And then when they do, uh, it's just, you know, we've got an extreme amount of power gating going on. And um, so that they're able to achieve this kind of performance and not blow up thermals and power draw is really impressive. I thought that NVIDIA would be a little bit ahead of them uh, just because you know, the last several generations of products, NVIDIA has been ahead, uh, especially in terms of, uh, you know, performance per watt. But now AMD certainly is, has come back. I mean, it's, you know, I, I kind of wish their marketing had been a little bit better at their launch a month ago where they would explain the performance a little bit more accurately because a lot of people had doubts about it and, and we were among them. But this release has is, is erased pretty much any of those doubts. They have a high-performing card that does not break the TDP and, and power consumption uh, targets that, that we've kind of set for this generation. Again, that's this generation is we're giving a whole lot more leeway um, than we have in the past, but it's not unprecedented that we have this kind of power draw. I mean, like the GTX 480 was 
a monster. And if you ever tried to touch one of those reference cards while it was going, it was it was uh, an exciting experience. So, yeah, um, you know, I've been I've been very impressed with uh, this, and of course the the elephant in the room that that nobody wants to talk about, but everybody wants to talk about is availability. You can't have one. Mm-hmm. And we don't have any numbers whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> no matter how much Jeremy grumbles, we don't have any numbers of, of how many cards were actually shipped. Um, there are some people well, out there say anyways. that's as, as low as the 3080. There are those who say uh, they ship more than the you know initial batch of, of 3080s. I don't know. Uh, local micro centers were getting like one 6800 XT and 12... 6800s and uh you have to be kind of lucky to have grabbed one um i know frank azor is not doing himself any favors by saying well look guys i was on the amd.com site and i bought one even though i had to refresh a couple of times like okay someone else could have had that frank (laughs) (laughs) yeah frank um damn it yeah and there are questions anytime you have an employee saying hey i was able to buy it just fine then you know just as people were there's hundreds of replies to that yes no i still think it's a great card though i mean both of them yeah i mean let's go to closing thoughts on it i mean we can each uh chime in go ahead sebastian since you had the hands-on yes well as i said in the review and i'll just cheat here and read it i think it's safe to say that amd has delivered on the big Navi promise. AMD has suddenly and emphatically altered the gaming landscape, bringing us closer to parity than we've been in many years. Yeah, this is an area that AMD has uh, has not been in for a very long time, probably since uh, Hawaii. Yeah. You yeah. know, the, uh, the RX 290, that was oh. kind of the last gasp of, of their stuff before... You know, we had the uh, the the Polaris, which is still a thing, and they're still yes. selling those at a tremendous amount, which is just very strange. But you know, they're a popular 1080 card with eight gigs of RAM and uh, sub two hundred dollar price. So, yeah, Brett, what do you think? I think there's room to sneak a couple of TI cards in there. We'll see how Nvidia responds. And personally, I actually tried to buy one today, and oh my gosh, I couldn't. I, uh, crazy. I, I couldn't get one. I, I mean, you know, one of the uh, 6,800 cards couldn't get it. I just, I wish AMD.com had these cards up for sale and let thousands upon thousands of people buy them. You know, just see I the wish you could get on a list. Later and later. Yeah, yeah. why not? And that why way, not? plus well, they, they, can't, like, they hey, can't do that because they're, they're robbing their partners. Uh, eventually the partners <sighs> are going to have enough stock that they will, you know, fill the channel and be able to, to, to supply the demand. It's just going to take a while. I mean, we've never been in an experience like we have now. I mean, the pandemic has, has, has caused such a drop in not just these finished products, but all the components. Uh, we have less people working in the factories that make this stuff, and there's a longer lead time. I mean, hmm. people even like, uh, you know, the concept to rowing people. I mean, they're, they have a four-month waiting uh, thing for for buying stinking rowing machines because everybody has to exercise from home, and I mean uh, we we look at uh, the controllers, uh, you know, racing wheels and joysticks, and uh, we've come into the time where people are staying home. Uh, they see the NASCAR guys racing virtually, 
And they're like, hey, that sounds fun because I'm not doing anything else with my life other than working from home. And and cheating. Yeah, and so they, they find that may have a little bit more money. Yeah, and I'm not trying to excuse AMD because it would be really nice if, if they were to unload and they'd be able to unload a large amount. But they, I mean, they, they, they have a lot of, uh, you know, reasons why they wouldn't want to do that. I mean, they want to get a certain amount out at a certain amount of time because that helps their quarter, quarterly earnings and it actually gets stuff into market and it shows that they're a competitor to uh, NVIDIA. And, you know, these next two months are, are, are going to be very, very important for AMD and its partners to be able to get these cards out if they want to take any kind of market share because, you know, we had rumors of, you know, there's going to be 300,000 3080s that are going to be dropped on November. And so far we have hmm. seen no such thing. Uh, NVIDIA and you know, Newegg, you go on to there, and it's it's you can get uh, fully pre-built machines. And I think the cheapest one that I saw with like a thirty seventy is a fourteen ninety nine product. You can get those right away, but you can't get the cards by themselves. And so this is this is a big bill, uh, big hill that AMD and and all of its partners and Nvidia and all of its partners uh, they've got to climb. Jeremy, your thoughts? Well, the, their back end is not in good shape either. And, you know, specifically for the graphics cards and the CPU I'm waiting for as well. But same goes for your rowing machine uh, or your next Logitech wheel. These supply chains got screwed up back in January. They, They don't just rebuild in the space of a couple of months because you end up waiting for, you know, bottleneck components that are still stuck. And, you know, we're, we're getting better. Uh, hopefully, fingers crossed. But, you know, the, the supply chain has been so devastated throughout the entire part of it that, yeah, it's not just one single company's fault. It could be uh, Nichicon or whoever they're, they're sourcing their capacitors from. It could be the people making the PCBs, for crying out loud. It It is horrible. I'm at least as upset as everyone else about not being able to buy the silicon that I want. But at the same time, I have to understand that along with, you know, the increased demand, as Josh is talking about, supply has really really been run through the ringer because there are certain parts that it just takes a while uh, it's like when, when you have a factory fire like uh which drive company was it msi had or yeah i'm sorry msi i was thinking of the old uh, the flood at seagate you know yeah when you shut one of those down yeah you might be able to open it up again in three or four months but that's just to do the repairs because these fabs aren't something you just sort of stop and then come back to in a month and fire up again, like a car in your garage to serious amounts of work has to go into getting everything up and running again. So it's frustrating and I feel you, but at the same time, there's this, it hurts, but there's good reasons why we're dealing with all these shortages. So Sebastian, did you give it an award? I mean, do you want to talk about the physical presentation of these cards? Because yeah. there's a kind of interesting uh, spec and, and picture that you you took of uh, especially the 6800 XT. You mean the thickness? <laughs> it's thick and it's heavy. Oh yeah, it's true. Uh, I don't think I have a picture in the review of the of the card on a scale. I think I posted that to Discord, but. It's uh, the XT. If you look at the actual card, it's a nice three fan design. And you look at the thickness. First of all, from the side, these basically look like uh, RTX 20 series graphics cards. 
it's that same inset here. Now, the top one does. The 6800 looks very much like, and it feels very much like a NVIDIA product from last generation. But, obviously with the three fans. Um, this thicker guy down here, this is the 6800 XT. And this is three pounds and five ounces of just dense GPU. Because it's still just a conventional 10 and a half inch long graphics card. This is a two and a half slot design. The 6800 is a completely normal two-slot design. What's odd about this is actually there's no ventilation on the back whatsoever. These just have like a Radeon logo stamped into the uh, the bracket back here below the display ports. That looks weird, doesn't it? Yeah. Because all of the air has to come out of the top and the bottom. And so I was a little surprised at the three uh, monitor ports actually. Uh, usually that's where all the BTUs and... go? <laughs> Right into your motherboard. Yes. Usually, you know, I'm not sure the rationale behind the USB-C, of course. I mean, that was extensively there. Well, originally, yes, but I think the consortium, you know, behind that and the couple of devices that actually took advantage of that for, you know, real, uh, using the special protocol that they had, I think they're no more. I'm not sure I understand the inclusion. Maybe just it was just it out. planned that way earlier no on. Idea. Who knows? Yeah, it, One, it is a little yeah. odd that it's it's two DisplayPort and two HDMI because that 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 kind of changes things up for triple monitor. Two yeah. and one. Two. Oh, is that, oh, two, two DisplayPort. Is, yeah, that, that's why it was interesting. Is that usually you see four, you know, two, three of one, or, mm-hmm. or you know, two and two. Instead, it's just two DisplayPort and one HDMI, and that mysterious USB-C. But but the more yeah. mysterious issue. Let's get into this briefly because okay. I. I I was responding to a tweet earlier about this and it's, it's, there's something going on here with the Radeon logo itself and the, the 6800 has a red logo that is backlit and the 6800 XT has an opaque plastic logo that is also backlit, but you would think that the opaque plastic versus red would be because this is an RGB Logo Now, Wendell from Level 1 Tech said that just for a moment, his, when you first power on the machine, kind of cycles through different colors. I don't know if that's just because that's how it's creating the red or what, but there is also apparently a place on the PCB for like an RGB header out that is not in use. So Mm. we could have had a RGB Radeon logo on these, and we just don't. So we may what have to wait a, what for a missed cards. opportunity. I know. Hmm. As you know, yeah. ARGB, it's a huge part of the performance picture, the overall. It adds like three frames per second when you have it enabled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like a, equal it's, to rage mode. Yeah, it is. It's Because it, it needs extra power, so it draws extra power from your board to power the ARGB lighting, which in turn <laughs> increases the power limit by 2.8%. Mm-hmm. So, so did you use Rage Mode when you uh, benchmarked, or is this uh, going to be something you're uh, going to do later? It's gonna He's going to revisit this in the DLSS uh, review. I, I want to do, <laughs> yeah, I want to do ray tracing, overclocking, especially overclocking the memory and Rage Mode. I did some Rage Mode testing with the 6800 XT, and then I was having some weird issues. Like I enabled Rage Mode, I go into a game, I went into Far Cry Five, and I remember. Like, why is this, the mouse isn't, and I looked and it was 15 frames per second inside of Far Cry 5. And I also had some weird regressions in Metro Exodus where it was like 
90 something frames the first run and 28 frames the second run. So I was like throwing out benchmark results using display driver runner installer. It just, I think this is just young driver issues plus me switching graphics cards on the same driver install kind of stuff. So, oh I god, that yeah, that yeah. I, I decided to just tell I'll, I need to clean install, put the all the more things. mature drivers yeah. on there when they come out rather than just these beta drivers that were released to media on like the 6th or maybe the 8th of November. So they're very young. And then we'll revisit this and do more testing. But unfortunately right now, it's the issue with this launch is not performance. The performance is outstanding. The issue is just availability. So we can keep beating a dead horse. Yeah, these, these cards, if you do this and if you overclock them. And I'm just going to read angry comments about not being able to buy them anywhere. So... Hey, yeah. as far as yeah. um, uh, uh, ray tracing goes, it is important to note that they do have hardware ray accelerators on there. I don't know exactly how that equates to the <laughs> hardware that's on uh, they sort on of Do we want to bring this they up, say, Well. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. If you look at the reviewer's guide at their slide decks, yes. I guess there's one per CU yes, or there, something yes. like that. So like yes. that's what I read. Yeah. I read that, yep. But did you stumble upon any of the reviews that did like the Minecraft beta ray tracing? Oh, yeah, it's and, very oh, version oh, one. Oh, it's not good. It's not good. It's not. There, no, it's there are known issues with this press driver too. There was a list sure. including some DXR stuff. That's why I wasn't going to go out of my way. Like, if I have to clean install this thing, why do that for the press driver that already has issues? We need to do a follow up. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's hard to do everything day one. Like you want everything. You want overclocking results. You want the teardown. You basically want what Gamers Nexus does. But unfortunately, I can't devote the same amount of time that they can. So let's uh, let's call it close to this one. Yeah. Uh, overall, uh, very positive. Uh, did it get an award? I gave it the uh, the old EC, Josh. Nice editor's choice. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, then, again, I, I cannot. Way, Go ahead. I was. I gave it the editor's choice. And uh, was subsequently called an AMD shill in the comments. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was. Uh, so you, you, this, this you should have like put up yeah. I don't know if you've noticed the editor's choice. Ah, go ahead. You, you, you can't give and, out editor's choice but, without taking but, flack hold on, now. Hold on. I know. It's, it's dangerous. It's dangerous <laughs> to do that. All right. So anyway, let's move on to the next subject. And uh, this is one that uh, was kind of interesting. It came up today. Uh, NVIDIA announced their earnings and they were monstrous yes uh 4.7 billion dollars in revenue that's the 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 very max they've ever made i mean last quarter was the max they ever made and that was 3.8 million they've improved that by 900 million dollars and so yeah they're kind of kicking it and uh we saw a massive increase uh 600 million dollars from uh, their Q2 to Q3, just in gaming. So that's all their video cards. That's their Switch stuff. And then uh, their data center went up to uh, $1.9 billion just by itself. And uh, that includes Mellanox. But when they kind of factor in uh, their 70% growth over the year in data center, which is just massive. That's, that's amazing. Um, 13% of that revenue was uh, extra revenue was is is melanox and so i mean their new cards going into the data center stuff and their dxg 
servers and all of that. I mean, that's a, a significant amount of money that uh, NVIDIA is making. And it's it's very close to how much they're making in, in gaming. I mean, if you look back in uh, last year of, of uh, Q3 fiscal year 2020, which because NVIDIA has really strange fiscal years, uh, they were doing 16.6 billion no, one 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 point six six billion in gaming, and their data center was only seven hundred and twenty six million, and now those two are almost even, and they've grown to be a four point seven billion dollar a quarter company, and they made something like I think it was one point two billion in net revenue, one point three something, very close to that. But I mean that's that's a huge amount of money that NVIDIA has never seen before. I mean, they've had good quarters before, but they've never had a quarter like this. And to say that, you know, the PC gaming market is dying, I just don't see it. And again, you know, these these are numbers that are that are heated up by, you know, the pandemic. You got people staying at home. They probably spent less money and going out and doing things and going to concerts. And and so they, they actually have some, some money if they still have a job. Uh, extra money that mm. that they can afford these things and so they're buying them and this is why we're i mean in between scalpers and people who really truly want this stuff we're seeing just unprecedented demand for this high-end computer hardware so people could play games and then you also have places like my work who actually will take a 3090 and put it in production for machine learning uh, we just got a lambda labs machine in last week we plugged that in, got it on the network, and uh, it was in production within five hours of us getting it. And uh, a guy was hammering on it. And let me tell you, that thing puts out a lot of heat with two 3090s, and it pulls a lot of uh, power. And But, I mean, these are the buys that, that we're seeing. It's not just regular people because so many small and mid-range businesses that can't really afford the big data center stuff, I mean, they're relying on like a 3080 and 3090 for uh, doing a lot of the machine learning. And uh, the Tensor cores are, are great for all of that. And the performance that we get with these cards versus just regular CPUs, I mean, it's it's night and day. People are doing matrix transformations at a thousand times the rate of uh, a fast CPU. It's, it's just, it saves so much time and uh, money. Uh, and their CUDA stack, uh, their software stack is really second to none. And so people like to use that because you have all these tools available and it's well known and it's well supported. And who would have thought I mean, that uh, video would be they a sold gaming 100% company? 100% of their stuff. Like, like imagine turning yes. to your boss and oh, how much of it's stuck in the pipeline? Nothing, boss. We sold every single one. <laughs> yeah, and then I mean, some- you know, they've still they've still got a lot of uh, uh, two thousand supply, and that's going to be out there, and they're going <laughs> to eventually have to start. They're going to have to eventually start uh, uh, selling that stuff off at, at a lower price, and uh, to just get it out of the the channel. But uh, this was their third quarter, and we still have the fourth quarter coming up, and the fourth quarter should eclipse this yet again. We're looking at well over $5 billion uh, that they'll make in a quarter. And a lot of that is going to be gaming and data. Well, I mean, that's all they do. I mean, auto is, has just kind of always gone down. But um, data center gaming, I mean, that's driving the company. And uh, data center is increasingly 
starting to be in the driver's seat because the margins are great and uh, the need is there. What do you guys think? If only they were advanced enough that they could actually program the auto to go out for groceries for you and come back with them, they'd be making even more money. Yeah, well, sky's the limit for them. I mean, they're an aggressive yeah. company with, uh, you know, some pretty knowledgeable people there and the technical know-how. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, – they are – they really are – I mean, AMD has, has come a long ways in the past three years. But uh, NVIDIA really is, I think, a bigger competitor to what Intel is trying to do than AMD is right now. That may change, and certainly AMD is is making some noise with the CPUs, and especially Zen 3. Uh, but we have yet to see those, uh, those uh, what, Milan-based uh, Epic um, soon. processors. Yeah, soon, but... Uh, but they have a long way to go yet to uh, be able to have the uh, the software ecosystem uh, supporting the Radeon graphics on on the data center. Let's okay. let's move on uh, because uh, hey, we have a sponsor tonight. We have uh, uh, we, we we need to thank uh, LinkedIn Talent Solutions. Find the right person with LinkedIn Jobs. Thanksgiving and Black Friday may look a little different this year, but there's still a lot to be thankful for, like being able to find the right people for your team when the holiday rush has you ramping up your small business needs. So when you're ready to make the next hire, LinkedIn Jobs can help you by matching your role with qualified candidates so you can find the right person for your business fast, like being able to use their skills and subject search to easily locate your best candidate. LinkedIn is an active community of professionals with more than 706 million members worldwide. Getting started is easier than ever with new features to help you find qualified candidates very quickly. Post a job with targeted screening questions and they'll quickly get your role in front of more qualified candidates. Manage those job posts and contact candidates from a single view on the familiar LinkedIn.com as functions are streamlined into one simple screen. And now you can do all this from your mobile device, no matter where the day takes you. That's how LinkedIn Jobs can help you hire the right person faster. When your business is ready to make that next hire, find the right person with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and get the first $50 off. Just visit linkedin.com slash pcper. Again, that's linkedin.com slash pcper to get $50 off your first job posting. Terms and conditions apply. Moving along, uh, Jeremy, I think that uh, you posted this bit of news contrasting Intel and AMD. I have not actually yeah. seen this, so you'll have to talk about it. Okay, so uh, my disappointment at the beginning was that they didn't start out long enough ago for me. I I mean, they, most of their stuff, I mean, it, it started back in, uh, what was it, 2007. So you miss out on AMD being the first company to hit and break the gigahertz barrier. But what they did do was highlight a very interesting time where, where what we saw was AMD, you know, sort of putting out and God, I'm looking for my cheat sheet here because uh, I needed, it's been a long time since I've talked about Penryn. <laughs> so the, you, you start out from the, the, back in 2001, the Pentium 4, 2 gigahertz uh, versus the XP. So way, way back in, in the long ago years of 2001, where the Pentium 4, 2 gigahertz was taking on the Athlon XP 1900 plus. It was one core. We didn't refer to it as one core, one thread because 
well, hyperthreading wasn't a thing yet. That was, that was next year. That was 2002. And at that point, you, you got your second generation of Athlon XP. So what we sort of look at is the interesting times from 2001 till about 2006, where it, it was a toss-up. And Errors Technica put together some lovely graphs sort of showing you what's going on uh, in, in the market at the time and how relatively close the two are. Uh, in fact, you know, if you look at some of them, in a lot of cases, AMD was at the top. Then something happened when, when the Pentium 4 died and the Extreme Edition came out. Intel sort of just started jumping up and they, they took a huge lead that uh, most people, you know, are probably very familiar with uh, because, well, it's, it's sort of where you may well have started. But, you know, then all of a sudden we got into multi-core, which was interesting. That there, there were actual times where, you know, you'd buy a quad-core desktop and in single-threaded performance on the, a benchmark, you would get great results. When you multi-threaded it, it's dropped. And, and this was not because, you know, you, it was trying to do something more. It was just literally multi-threading made things worse. Then the dark times came. Then about 2013, it, it just got freaking boring. Uh, you had the pile driver arrive and not leave. And you had Intel not really doing anything for a long time. And so, you know, Josh and I and Ryan and the old gang from about 2013 till we say about 2017 or so, Josh, there, there was nothing worth talking about. It, things came out that were new, but they were just to, to say they were iterative. Isn't even nice. Like it yeah, just, I it mean, was a many, doldrums. How many skylights did we see and still kind are, of, are see I mean, <laughs> I mean, in between what 2009 and probably 2018 is the top end yeah. was, was a quad core eight thread and that was it yeah, and never moved. I mean, a 3770K, still viable. Yeah. I mean, it's a 6600 that I'm retiring in the, the backup computer if I ever, you know, get a new chip. Uh, but then it, things became exciting again. Now we're, we're starting to see rise and arrive. And we're, you know, looking back, it when it initially started, it was like, this is going to be amazing. It's great right now, but it's not going to be, it's not yet. But then Ryzen 2 came out and we're like, oh, these guys know what they're doing. There's going to be something happening. And then at the very end of the charts, as you can see here on just about every single one of them, you've got the, the Ryzen 3, the Ryzen 5000 family has jumped ahead of Intel. And so you've gone from, and this is one of my favorite things, this chart here, you sort of see... This is a change of the Intel's fastest enthusiast CPU this year to the one previous. How much better did it get? And so there was a huge jump back in the old days. You know, it was three times as good. And then it was pretty much the same, except for Intel originally starting their hexacore and then bailing on it again. Uh, and then you can see it Zen and this huge spike and Zen 2 and a good spike and Zen 3, another beautiful spike. 
it's it sort of shows you what's happened you know for us that have been here for the long term over the years and gives us an idea of what we're going to see in the coming generations which is for the most part intel is a very relatively flat slope and they slowly get better they don't until recently tend to move their architecture and their uh process that those were locked in step whereas amd was you know they'd have huge bursts which would then you know peter out as the the turtle kept going and again and a burst and again and a burst so i don't know and josh i might be completely talking at my arse at this point but you know isn't that sort of the difference is that intel has been slowly iteratively getting a little bit better not in an exciting way except for a couple of times whereas amd there's disappointments and then there is just rushes of adrenaline as they they go nuts and produce something amazing yeah, I mean it's it's uh, it's kind of the indicative of the workforce of AMD. It's it's still a much smaller company. They make far less money, and so Intel is able to uh, invest in engineers. And, and even though, you know, I, you know, I've kind of heard some horror stories as of late, uh, especially with people who have been at the company a long time. They get into their late forties, and suddenly, you know, they're, they're getting pushed out the door, and uh, they're they're losing a tremendous amount of of mind share uh, just because of of the way that they do employee evaluations. Um, it's really, it's kind of brutal. Um, it'd be interesting to see if, if any of that changes here with, with Swan, but definitely during BK time, uh, you know, it was, it was slow, steady improvements because they didn't have any competition and why did they need to invest in all this stuff? And Hey, we're going to be really aggressive with some of our process technology. And then, uh, yeah, that, that didn't work out, uh, multiple times. And so it's it's it is interesting to see that AMD is is providing uh, some much needed uh, impetus to the market, and uh, it really seems like uh, their chiplet technology is is going to be the future going forward. Because if you look at just design, all of uh, Intel stuff is is monolithic dies, and you've got multiple technologies in there that may not fit well with the process tech. And that's why Intel has their CPU design guys work very, very closely with process. So you can kind of iron out some of these things and you'll get a well-performing overall uh, chip. But now that, you know, 10 nanometer is, is so delayed and there's issues with it that they, you know, that they had to backport to 14 nanometer with uh, this next generation stuff. And it's, it's going to be interesting to see, but uh, yeah, with with uh, AMD, it's it's like, well, you know, I'm going to work on these new CPU cores. I only have to work on this chiplet, and we can validate it and we can do all these things, all the stuff that may be a little bit harder, uh, like memory controller, I/O stuff, SATA, uh, PCIe, which uh, the signaling may not be as uh, amendable to a, a, a smaller process that uh, is a little bit more energy efficient may not be, you know, transistor switching will be the same. But I mean, it, it's like, you know, it's mixed signal stuff is is where um, issues really arise on process tech that they can more focus on on maybe an older, you know, less leaky uh, transistor uh, technology for these things, because you don't really care. I mean, they're very very cheap chips to make and you don't gain any performance by going to a a smaller process technology so um 
yeah, AMD is, is they're, they're hitting on all cylinders and they're executing and they're releasing product and they're gaining market share. And it seems like that they continue to uh, increase the wafer starts a month uh, for their products. And, and it's going to be nice to uh, finally be able to five, buy a 5,000 series CPU again one day. Well, I mean, I bought it. It's just still on back order. Hmm. Damn. What do you guys think? I mean, uh, this uh, a little interesting internet history of. Uh, it's kind of interesting to see the 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 ebbs and flows of the two companies, especially you know, of two thousand uh, ninety eight through two thousand was a very important part for for yes. AMD. I mean, um, you know, going K six kept them in the in the in the game, but K seven uh, and its derivatives were really what allowed them to be a, a true competitor. And yeah, for the young folks coming into it, who Intel has always had the performance crown, worth taking a read because it's actually not true. We've we've gone back in time because there was a period, what, 15 years ago, where if you were an enthusiast, you had an AMD system, period. It wasn't just price performance. It was straight up performance leadership back then in like 2003, four. Yeah, and, and I mean, that. AMD was at a disadvantage in terms of process technology. Uh, they were stuck at a full node behind for pretty much all that time than Intel, but their design was just so much better that the Athlon 64 versus Pentium 4 was just, I mean, Northwood was probably the last good Pentium 4 where power was not an issue, had good performance, transistor counts was low, and then, uh, you know, up came Prescott, a.k.a. Press Hot. And uh, they exploded uh, transistor counts. And even though they had, you know, more features and technology in there, it, it ran extremely hot. It still didn't solve a lot of the problems with the, the Pentium 4 architecture. And, and AMD just wiped the floor until Core 2 came and, and uh, smacked them upside the head in 2006. Still better than Pentium 3. Hey, but sort know. of, it was Pentium 3, right? Because Pentium 3 was the basis of the Pentium yes. M, yeah. which became yep. Core. Yep. Yeah, this is uh, what Merum and and I can't remember all yeah. the code names back yeah. at the well, time. That's when every AMD rep talked about IPC. IPC was everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that was the that was the uh, the Israeli uh, design faction who mm -hmm. uh, who uh, you know went with the mobile and, and decided, hey, we 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 can't have these super long pipelines. We're getting killed in latency. Uh, yeah, I mean, it'd be nice if we can get up to the clock speeds, but so far process technology is not allowing us to hit these six to 10 gigahertz that is needed to, to be able to, you know, hide some of the limitations of, of the architecture. And, and we, you know, obviously never saw that as what the top of four gigahertz with, uh, the Pentium four, which is still stinking fast during the time, uh, in terms of clock speed, but yeah, performance was just not there. All right, moving along. Microsoft Custom Security Chip. Well, that sounds exciting because you trust all of your security to one company, software and hardware. <laughs> yeah, hey, it takes security yeah. to the next level. It takes PC protection. They're literally talking root of trust, too, which is just insane. That's a quote. That's actually in there. Root of trust? Yeah. Think like a root certificate, but even worse when it gets compromised. I thought while I was reading this article that, my gosh, this reminds me of, oh, what was that other manufacturer? Oh, Apple. Um, The T2 chip? Oh, yeah, I remember that. They're having a 
issue with that and a security problem that's not fixable because it's burned into silicon. Huh. And then I get down to the last paragraph or something like that. And, and it was just like, and uh, just like the T2 chip from the Apple or from Apple Max, who are also suffering from a problem, I'm like, yeah, that could probably happen. They're trying to go down the same or similar road. I mean, that's what Apple uses it for, too, is encryption and you know, sort of root-based security and, and anti-tamper basically baked right into the motherboard. Uh, Whatever happened to Palladium? That's a name TPM. I haven't uh, heard in a long time. There's a reason. Mm. Oh, right, actually, well. another good uh, observation was just made that if they go ahead with this, that... Um, Linux is going to get kicked in the teeth yeah, because they I, have a very well, difficult time passing this. I mean, they had a really difficult time with um, uh, UEFI originally. Remember that? Well, Secure Boot was... Oh, like, gotcha. Yeah. 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 But Microsoft is a little bit Linux addicted right lately. True. They're, they're really, you know, realizing that, you know, much like this is not the year the desktop computer dies, this is not the year of Linux, but it's getting better. You, you can go out, you can buy a Red Hat instance on Azure. They are baking it directly into some of the server instances that you can get. So I think they finally realized that no, this thing isn't going to go away, nor should it. And that maybe they should sort of accept it a little bit and stop trying to kill it off because it, it ain't going to die. This thing that actually runs everything behind the scenes isn't going away, says Microsoft. No. Strange, isn't it? <laughs> So why not embrace it? They don't have to put in all the time and effort into creating new operating systems to steal all your data. They and besides, when you open the support on. ticket, they say, oh, screw it. Don't you go talk to yeah, somebody yeah. who knows the program. Talk to the community, guy. As they, as they say in the exactly. military, embra embrace the suck. All right. Uh, moving along. Android phone home? Question mark? Ooh, Do you know what now? Or oh, would that be harm? Oh, I'm not. I'm not. I don't even remember what uh, Larry and them promised way back in the day. But it was do know something. <laughs> uh, it's coming possibly to a class action suit near you, because uh, from the looks of it, the four separate cases in four separate states in the U.S. have been accepted uh, by a judge, and they will be appearing before the court. Someone decided to test a brand new Galaxy S7. They signed into a Google account because, I mean, good luck getting out of that when you're setting up your phone and then just left it sitting. It reached out to Google 16 times an hour to the tune of about 4.4 megabytes every day. That's just with nothing going. Now, if you're in North America, you've got shitty data plans. It didn't care if there was Wi-Fi or if it was a cell signal. It still phoned home 16 times an hour and chewed up your data plan. So if you're on a limited data plan, this, this kind of sucks. If they just left Chrome open and running in the background, it doubled to almost nine megs a day. If you used it normally as a phone, it went from nine megs to about 12 megs. So normal usage offered a significantly less amount of data usage than just the phone being turned on. Now, this is quite frustrating because this does cost money for people that are on a limited uh, data plan, and there's not a bloody thing you can do about it to stop it. So, of course, uh, the 
the argument is that, well, you've signed up to Google's uh, terms of agreement, and I'm sure you read every single word of it before you said accept and go the hell away. <laughs> but they actually had uh, some people look into it and see, you know, what is it that this traffic is doing? And this is the really dirty part about it. And we were talking earlier about how websites need advertising money to, to survive. So a bunch of this traffic is preload ads, which never show. You never see this on your phone. But the person who's paying Google for their ads gets dinged as if it was a view. Sweet. Nice. I guess for right. them. Yeah. Hey, didn't this guy who. So now you're paying for out, something that no one ever saw. Didn't he have his data plan turned off as well? Oh, I suspect so. Yeah. So it was like data I, plan I, I, off, and he had like. Um, either uh, yeah. Wireshark or, or some sort of uh, network yes. snooping device to only like, why is, why am oh, I accruing yeah, these data charges on my phone when I, I have it turned off? What the hell is yeah. it doing? So that was where this sort of came to light. Yeah. And sorry if I didn't specify this Wi-Fi disabled cell phone, dis, their cell signal disabled. It's still chewing up your data plan. So yeah. that's dirty. One, yeah, it, this is just dirty pool left, right, and center. And yeah. I mean, if you could snoop on an Apple phone, I'm sure you'd find the same thing. So yeah, no, this is just ridiculous. And, hey. and you know, for us, it's like we'd be charged for advertising to all of these phones that never saw our ad. Yeah, not only that, but always the uh, the stories about the guy <laughs> turns to his wife and says, you know, we need some wicker furniture for next summer. And then he goes Ooh. to, uh, you know, Amazon and suddenly wicker furniture things mm. start popping up in your ads. And that does I happen. don't know. That has happened that does here happen. in this house. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's when I feel like smashing the device. I really do sometimes. Yes. Device smash. Yep. Anyhow, yes, we're being watched. Not buying them. Big Brother's not who we thought he would be. All right, so moving on, Star Wars Squadrons getting a big update. If you actually purchased it, which oddly enough I, I did uh, a couple of weeks ago because it was on sale for like twenty six bucks, and then I added some extra things, and it was like twenty four dollars by the end. And, and for a brand new title, twenty four bucks is pretty cheap. So what are we what are we getting? I know that we're getting a B wing fighter. Finally, great. Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, Jeremy, I don't know if you read this or if you knew about this, but uh, what they're doing is they're adding no, two so new mad. maps. <laughs> Stop being mad. Stop it. You guys got they're a adding... deal for you bought it for five bucks, oh, and that deal did oh, not happen right. in Canada. Not in Canada. Eh, not north yeah. of the border. Mm. Well, Josh and I bought it for twenty-four bucks, anyways. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. my origin. My origin installer still sucks. We can talk about that later. Um, but anyway, assuming I get it installed someday, I'm going to be downloading the, I think it's next uh, couple of weeks from now, the first update is going to include two new maps. And it's basically part of the single player campaign, which is going to be turned into multiplayer maps. So the, I guess the uh, Fostar Haven and there's another map that's going to be turned into a multiplayer uh, map. And they, they've reconfigured them so that... Um, it's appropriate to have a fleet battle on there as well as private battles. As Josh pointed out, the B-Wing, um, the updated B-Wing, actually with the maneuverable cockpit and the movable wings, are going to be added. Uh, and the TIE Defender, which is a, um, uh, a ship with uh, shields from the Empire side. That's going to be added as a fighter. The B-Wing is going to be added as a bomber. 
And they're going to, they've already made um, a statement to say they're definitely going to be balancing this out. Just as long as they don't have the bomber from uh, <coughs> the, the the last Star Wars with no, the gravity I mean, bombs. Yeah, let's not let no, let's yeah. not go into that. They the community was actually holding some sort of impromptu. Um, I don't want to say like customized five on fives with. They were trying to set it up so that there the right people were getting together to kind of shoot at each other for a while. You know, just like regular games where you can sort of have a private space where you have a team, a couple teams get in there and and you know hack it out. There really wasn't that available inside squadrons, so they're making it so that you can have one v one all the way up to five v five in private areas now. So that's going to be included as well in the next two updates, version three and version four. So they had promised, EA promised, we're not going to update this. We're going to put it out there and that's it. And that the game is what it is and we're not going to update it. Well, you know what? This, the response from the community was pretty darn good. A lot of people bought it, and including myself and Josh. So they were like, wow, people are enjoying this. Uh, okay, we'll update it. We'll put in the things that you're asking for. And this was the handful of items that the community, um, they, they sort of gleaned from the community that were wanted the most. So they're adding them, which is nice. That's nice. Yeah, we like to so take another look at and get away from Take another DLC. look at Star Wars Squadrons. Yeah. Now, if I can just get the damn thing to install freaking Origins, I just, no. EA, Origin. I'm upset with it right now. No bueno. Gotcha. All yeah. right. Uh, we did have one other review this week. Uh, it is, uh, oddly enough, from uh, Be Quiet. It is an it is a case review, and uh, we received the white case, um, which I made a comment on two immediate comments. Um, one that this was uh, heavy, uh, very heavy, and it's uh, part of, part of its uh, charm is that it quiets down things within, and weight actually helps that damps vibration and keeps sound on the inside. The other thing was is that. Wow, there's a lot of white panels on this that's just begging for like art deco or, you know, some sort of uh, painting or something on it. So I thought it'd be a great canvas for an artist friend to uh, do some damage to. And uh, I invited people that if they got this and they had uh, somebody do that, that send them in and I would attach it to the review. But anyway, uh, they include some very nice, uh, uh, they're Pure Wings 2 fans with it. It is a very generously sized case on the inside for all kinds of uh, builds. You can invert uh, the building uh, building of the PC within it. The back panel can be uh, turned upside down for inverted uh, builds. Uh, it comes with a fan controller, which is uh, works very well to be quiet branded. I'm not sure who's making it, but um, nice work. It worked very well. Uh, it has a PWN pass-through on the fan controller in auto mode. And uh, that worked great. Um, I stuffed an X299 board with uh, 96 gigabytes of RAM in it and a, and a 280 uh, AIO and um, a uh, water-cooled uh, 2080 Super and airflow and everything worked out good. I think the important thing to note with this that I just mentioned airflow with this particular case is Be Quiet has added the capacity to switch out the upper and front panels with their typical solid noise-reducing panels with um, panels that are perforated for additional airflow. I, I think 2020, if it, you know, from a case perspective, had a lot of airflow going on, either stopping it or or um, or improving it uh, from a case perspective. Anyway, improving it. So 
they uh, provided these additional panels and that definitely helped cooling. In my testing, I saw up to almost 9C of 100% fan uh, cooling uh, improvement between um, solid case and uh, perforated case or, or uh, the case with the, um, the filters instead. Noise, of course, was way up on that. Um, but cooling, very effective. Someone suggested that I try to uh, no, uh, noise normalize it and just kind of see where the heat went then. Uh, that would have taken quite a lot more time, unfortunately, more time than I had uh, set aside for doing the case review on this one. But good idea all the same. Uh, I did run it at 100% to see how that worked out. I gave it the EC award because it was so uh, configurable and um, had a lot of potential from uh, and workability. All the panels would come off, uh, very easy to work in with water-cooled, plenty of room. Construction was very high quality, decent metal, nicely painted. Panels were um, uh, very nicely attached. Toolless, the way they popped on and off, uh, front included. Um, room underneath. I only had a couple of quibbles with uh, wiring layout uh, where I had to pass some things through. Um, a couple of issues with you got to be careful with not scratching it. Um, and that was not a lot uh, was to, to complain how, about here. It's big and heavy. How much How much does it cost? It the, with, Without the uh, tempered glass side panel, it's a little bit pricey, 160 With the tempered glass uh, side panel, I think it was 170 If you want to check my numbers on that, I think I got that up at the top. Um, so yeah, a little bit expensive, but it is uh, a high quality case and it's German, which I also made mention of and yeah. kind of understood where they were coming from. I was excited just because it has the configurable panels. Like you said, you can make it an airflow case or you can keep it a silent case and you get them both in one. So to me, 159 for both, especially if you're buying this, if you're going all out on the silence, you're going to want the solid side panel anyway, because it has the noise and it works. material in it. Yeah. And it does work. And then if you, you want to pay $10 more and get the tempered glass, you're probably going to run it as an airflow case. I would, at least I would hope, because otherwise you're just, you're not getting the noise reduction benefit as much and you're still not getting the lower temps. And I made mention of that. We don't have the mm-hmm. TG panel, but I had guessed that you would trade some noise reduction for the TG. Yeah, I would personally, I would get TG and then open it up with the airflow. But hey, you know. I, I like the look of the airflow. I think it looks more attractive as an airflow style. That's just me. Um, but again, if you're looking for, maybe you're doing audio production work. Um, I wouldn't blame somebody for keeping it buttoned up and, and set aside. It would be a great case in a room that you needed to have a PC, a powerful PC that didn't put out a lot of, a, a lot of noise. And it was definitely up to the task of doing that. It would run hotter. Of course, um, you would have to probably tune your, uh, components to be, um, maybe a little down tuning maybe to make sure that you don't need that airflow. Uh, if you have a particularly powerful PC, uh, but you know that you could do that. Um, uh, and it gives you the opportunity to really keep it quiet. And it's also available in black. So if you just want oh, a monolithic quiet case, kind of like the old Antec cases for silence, I yeah. don't know. It's, it's not cheap, but it's, a, it looks like a pretty, you know what, case. you know what my problem is with it. Yeah. Hmm. No optical drive. Oh, uh, they've let that yeah. go completely. Yeah. There are no. Yeah. I know. I think it's just fractal. That Sad. That on their high end yeah. cases. Hey, definitely uh, show that uh, shot that I have with all the RAM modules on it to so because oh, I yeah. thought that one was. That's a really good yeah, photo. Sc- scroll down there, 
And now, last uh, week we did this outrageous, you know, semi-serious look at your photography. Where's the plant? I think oh, you that's, shied that's away from too... the plant this time. No, that's not true. Scroll up a little bit, please. And right. literally keep going. And I, I pre- prefaced it. Keep going a little bit more. Scrolling up. Keep going. Okay. There we go. There you go. And there, pause. That's a nice, subtle. subtle. Nice. Subtle. Yes. Right? Yes. Read the, the text above this picture. Oh, it says be quiet. I'm reading the words. Well, be quiet. no, no, it's a, a text on the page. You got to kind of, you got to close this image. You mean like in the, you got to close, close, like hit the, the, X. the address bar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're really hosing me here. Pause, pause for Zen. For Zen. Wait, Please you arrest. You didn't put Zen in this though. You made an intel. Shh, listen, listen, no, stop. Listen, scr- you're, you're, you're scrolling. <laughs> hold on, hold on, you got to go back up. Go back. Got to go back up. Please arrest your furious scroll for a few seconds to appreciate this picture with a plant. So that is your. You guys are. Pause you guys have gotten all crunchy. Step away from the crunchiness. <laughs> hey, I, one hey. of the comments that I got was, "Hey, can we have a? Can we have like some dry ice fog machine and a plant oh, on the inside?" Hey, that. Hey, you know what? That's great. that's what I said. Whoever said that? I said it. I it was Big Ted. I think that's the next Scroll. frontier. Forget look at dramatic the, angles read the comments. and plants. Yeah, Bring on the smoke machine. Sorry, Josh. It's hey, you, know what? you know what time it is? Do you know what time it is? It's time for PC part picker of the week. P- no Picks sticker? of the week, damn it. <laughs> damn PC you, Colleen. Part picker. But you know what? Hey, week. it's a valuable resource. Picks of the week, damn it. That we all use. It is. I'll go first because I'm first. Uh, you know, uh, the the Samsung 970 Evo drives have been dropping precipitously. So for 250 and you can sometimes get this on sale, and obviously right now it's back-ordered, the dirty buggers, but this is a great, a great gaming drive <coughs> for not a huge amount of money. And, uh, you know, Samsung always has uh, really good performance across the board, and the 970 Evo is, is certainly part of that. Um, so, yeah, two terabytes, who'd have thought, two terabytes for... Two hundred and fifty bucks from Samsung. Dare I click on the one terabyte? Ooh, only one forty nine. Yeah, so if you think about it, it should be three hundred dollars. So you're you're the more you buy, the less you pay. Yeah. Anyway, who's next? Uh-oh. Uh oh. That would Jeremy. be Jeremy. Oh, look at that. Wow. What is what do you got Ooh. there? That's an Antec P82 airflow. Because while I don't really care about sound because of where it's positioned, that's one. I had to buy the two Noctuas. And another three in the front. So it comes with four. It is on sale right now. It this is tempered glass, by the way. Uh I don't tend to buy tempered glass except was cheaper than the solid side panel version. So of course I went for it and that right there would be where my Ryzen three would be. And that right there would be, wait, you, you got a Ryzen three hundred XT would be, or <laughs> oh, my, oh, you that, mean like a Ryzen, my Ryzen. Your Ryzen five 5600. Okay. Yes. That's where it would be. Let's see. No, I went with the 5800 X. Yeah. That's what okay. I thought. He had a 5800. Yeah. 75 but bucks. Right now, it is literally cheap as chips. So, up here in Canada, it's 75 bucks. Down in the States, it's just under 60, I think, with tempered glass. So, 
if you don't particularly care about, uh, you know, it, it's it's all 140 millimeter fans, so it's not going to be loud, but it's going to be present. And it doesn't come with a fan controller. It just comes with a Y splitter. So those four fans are not PWM. There is no USB-C on it, uh, if that really does make it matter to you. But at the price, it is ridiculously good for a system that you know is going to have a lot of high-powered components in it, and you don't want to have to deal with thermal throttling. And for the most part, you can't be arsed to play around with water cooling because it will fit some ridiculously sized uh, radiators in it as well. I'm not seeing any... Uh... Obstacle drive bays. Yeah, this I'm, is the I'm problem. I'm not sure you get a 420. I, I Can you get that very, 420 red in there? I don't know. Very upset that I had to give up so that only one of my systems is going to have an operating optical drive on it. Yeah. But for the price, it was like, yeah, I'm not really wanting to pay an extra 30 bucks for that five and a quarter bay. Yeah. Pretty handsome yeah. looking case for 59 bucks. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's sort of like uh, what the Be Quiet that Brett reviewed, except it's the, the Walmart model. I, <laughs> I don't kind of think Antec would appreciate being called the Walmart model, but yes. I, don't, I, I think they know. aimed for, you know, I think they aimed to cut some things out. So much to make for it that advertising. <laughs> <laughs> you know, remember when It's that, okay, I gave it away for free uh, right there. Do you remember when they yeah. hired that automotive design company and created that ridiculous bmw level 10 yeah mm-hmm. and then there was another one that i got and reviewed actually drove down to the office and we did a video on it that i'm sure got dozens of views the ravens no five no that was silverstone this this was no it was S- it was insane signature case the s2 i think yeah that's silverstone dollars no, no no we're talking no. The, it's a weird one-off antec case i still have it in my attic and it's so big. Oh, and I was heavy. thinking about the uh, the thermal take one. It was the BMW yeah, design the, group? They that, yeah, that's our two or something. I've yeah. got to find this now. This is what Should people have to watch this for. By the way, hey, you can you can always send it. Show. The Be Quiet case will take a 420. Just want to say that right up front. Josh, okay? you, all right. Speaking of, sending, uh, I, I will send it to you as long as you pay for shipping on this. And shipping on this case, given its size and weight. Is probably about eighty dollars. You can just buy a That's case. Insane. It's it's big yeah. and heavy. Anyway, all right, Brett. What what is your all right? Pick? I picked an infrared temperature gun. A couple of them actually, because they're just so darn useful for uh, doing spot checks inside of uh, PC builds to say, you know, how hot is this? How hot is that? Getting the room temperature, like picking it off the wall or the floor or you know whatever. It's just much faster reacting. I think everybody should own one because don't touch stuff if it's hot and you can't tell by looking at it. So this is the uh, this is my cheap pick, I think. Uh, oh, yeah. Hold on, hold on. Uh, Breaking news. What? Our own Josh Walrath. I I got the hey. bonjour for like $19. This is for, yeah. for cooking. But yeah, CPU te- testing. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's awesome. Oh, why does my CPU oh, tester nice. say bonjour? I don't know. Fine. Whatever. Yeah. So I, I, have, I have one very similar as well. And I just find it extremely useful. And anybody who works with uh, stuff that they're <laughs> not sure how hot it is, or they want to do some some interesting no, uh, knowledge learning about where their PC hotspots are, there's it's 20 bucks for the cheap one. And if you click the next link over, I actually put in one that if like, if you don't want to buy the Chinesium one, well, they're all made in China. 
probably. The next one over is uh, one from Klein Tools without as quite as many buttons, um, but name brand. Klein is a very good tool brand name, and I think that one is forty. So yeah, you have no excuse. Go get one of these. They're cheap as chips. Thirty bucks. Thirty bucks. Yeah, and way Sebastian, useful you- and su- surprisingly accurate. Sebastian, do you have a pick, or are you just uh, sl- slumming it this this week? Does it have a Celsius yes. mode on it, by the way? Yes. Yes. Okay. You can swap yes, back do. and forth from Fahrenheit yep. and Celsius. Hey, Sebastian, you're, you're muted. Can't hear a damn thing you're saying. I, I clicked my audio thing. See, I, what I was saying was, I can't even switch video properly this week, so no. I can't. I mean, I was somebody in Discord earlier said, "Hey, what's your uh, Audible pick?" Uh, I recommend the Ultimate History of Video Games by Stephen L. Kent. It's a very interesting, comprehensive look at video games from the from their inception all the way to you know the two thousands console wars. So check that nice. out if you're looking for a book to listen to. We are not sponsored by Audible somehow. Somehow, uh, and and your hardware pick is a stream deck. Yeah, <laughs> so I can actually see. Like, I would put a picture of each person's face on it and be like, "Oh, Brett's talking." <laughs> Instead of hunting I, for it with the I mouse poke, and then closing I the poke window. Your head. Yeah. Yeah, Sebastian, poke your head. The recommendation is to get larger buttons so that you can thump them. It might yeah. make you feel yeah. better. Yeah, yeah. I, I will yeah. just have to screenshot what I'm seeing and show people how terrible this interface is. But most people yeah. use key commands or a stream deck or something, so I can't really complain. I'm using the mouse, which is the archaic method of controlling video. We're going to be a new Ken somehow. Gosh. <laughs> All right. Thank you for watching. Maybe we'll do it again sometime. <laughs>